If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn them to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Thank you so much, worship team, as always, for leading us into the presence of God. Thank you all um, for coming before the Lord to sing praise and honor and glorify His name. Uh, that's what this is all about today. I was just listening to one of those songs, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Think about what you're singing, and think about who you're singing it to. Because if we don't do that, how many of you know it's just mouthing words? <laughs> it's just going through the motions. We actually start thinking about who we're singing to, and why we're singing to Him, and what we're saying to Him. And that's what these worship songs are for, for Him. Uh, then it makes all the difference. But I was sitting back there, and um, in one of those songs that talks about God puts our chaos back into order. Has anybody ever experienced that? I experienced that just yesterday when your life becomes chaotic all of a sudden for whatever reason. Uh, God has a way of putting that back into order. He, he certainly does that. I, mine was a small thing really, but um, chaos is still chaos. I got home yesterday evening from, um, from the men's conference and man, when, whenever I left... And you who, who go and, or who have been, you know how it, man, it's, you, you leave on a spiritual high. I mean, you really do because you've heard from the Lord, you know, and that's what happened there this weekend. And, and I, don't, don't get me wrong now. I, I'm not trying to just um, put all the emphasis on that because I know the same God that was in Memphis, Tennessee is in Hamilton, Alabama. Amen. And listen, the same Holy Spirit that blessed there can and will bless here if we hunger for that, if we want that, if we... Uh, come before the Lord in the right frame of mind and the right attitude. But uh, the Lord has done a special work in my heart this weekend. And I left there um, refreshed and renewed uh, with a fresh anointing. I really felt that. And we got home yesterday evening and um, I walk in the house. I hadn't been there five minutes. And my wife had fixed a pot of coffee. And so I walk over to the coffee maker and pour me some coffee. And right beside um, the counter where the coffee maker is, um, is another small counter, and then right beside that is our refrigerator. And so there's a, there was a gap, maybe about this wide, um, beside the refrigerator and that counter. And so I set my coffee down and reach up to get some uh, sweet and low out of the cabinet. When I came back down, Brandy's pill bottle, her medicine that she takes daily, was sitting right there on the side of that counter. And just coming down with that sweet and low, I hit the pill bottle, and folks, I'm telling you, there could not have been a sixteenth of an inch between the gap um, that was beside that refrigerator and the cabinet and the, the width of that pill bottle. But it fell perfectly right down in behind it. I mean, you couldn't have placed it in there if you'd have tried probably 50 times. But that one time, it fell right off behind it. And we had been learning all weekend about how that, um, uh, you know, we're supposed to be patient if we're filled with the Spirit and Supposed to walk in the power of God if we're filled with the Spirit. We're supposed to walk in the love of God if we're filled with the Spirit. And, and so I'm sitting there. Um, I didn't even at first realize that it happened. Brandy saw it. She said, oh no, there goes my pill bottle. And I said before I thought, why did you set your pill bottle there? Because I knew what was fixing to take place. I had to wedge that refrigerator out. Get the pill bottle. And this is going to be an ordeal. And so I'm already thinking the worst. I had to repent before he even got started. So I pull out the refrigerator and I look behind there and I'm ashamed to even tell you what was behind that refrigerator. Y'all know how it goes. And so I don't know when's the last time that refrigerator was pulled out, but it's been a while. And so I look back there and I think, oh my gosh. So we start trying to clean that out. While we got it out, we're going to clean it out. Well, I start putting the refrigerator back into the hole. 
And without me knowing, or really I forgot, there was an old water line back there where the ice maker from the previous refrigerator was plugged up. And so I feel something catch the refrigerator and I'm ready to get the refrigerator back in and quit messing with all this. And so I'm just going to muscle it in there. I'm fixing to put this sucker back in the hole and we're going to be done with it. And so I, with all my might, start pressing against this refrigerator and all of a sudden I hear water spray against the back wall. And so I pull it back out and there's a half inch water line coming up through the floor that is gushing water. I'm talking about it spraying this high. And so I take off running outside to get to the pump house to turn my pump off. When I get out there, the switch on my pressure switch at my pump will not work. I can't turn it off. So I take off running all the way back to the house to get to the fuse box or the, the, the breaker box. When I get back to the breaker box, I hadn't marked anything, so I don't know which <laughs> breaker does what. And I'm flipping breakers like crazy, and I run over to the uh, front door, and I say, honey, is it off? No, it's still running. So I run all the way back out to the pump house and take with my fingers and separate the points, which was not a good idea, if you know what I mean, brothers and sisters. All of that happened within a span of about 10 minutes. Chaos took place after a great time of blessing. <laughs> Amen. And, the, and sometimes that happens in our lives, doesn't it? Chaos happens. And a lot of the chaos that happens, how many of you know, only God can fix it. I mean, that was a small thing. And, uh, but, but there's a lot of things that happen in the life of the believer that men throws our lives all out of whack. I'm going to be talking a lot about that this morning as well. Go with, look with me here in 1 Samuel chapter, did I say 16 or 17? All right, go to 17. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. I'm going to preach to you this morning um, my favorite, about my favorite Bible character and my favorite biblical story. I would bet this morning if we were around the room and asked whose Bible character or Bible story was their favorite, there'd probably be a whole lot of us that would agree with me. I love King David. I uh, enjoy reading the writings of King David. I love uh, examining the stories that we read about in the pages of Scripture concerning King David. And there's a reason for that. The Bible says that David is the man after God's own heart. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. That's a pretty big statement coming from the God who is omniscient, who knows all things. Really what God was saying, the God who knows David better than David knows David. He said, I've looked into the dark, deepest, the darkest, deepest recesses of David's soul, and God saw that he was truly following hard after the Lord. So for God to say he's a man after my own heart, <laughs> that really means something. Uh, for the omnipresent God of the universe to look at David and say, that's a man after God's own heart. Well, that's a pretty big statement seeing as wherever David went, whatever David was doing, uh, God was there and saw exactly what took place if he's omnipresent. Pretty big compliments. And so if God said it, Knowing all things, being everywhere at all times, knowing David better than he knows himself, it got to be true. God doesn't speak any lies, amen? 
And so I want you to understand and know this morning, if God said David is a man after God's own heart, that's exactly who he is. And if I myself want to be a man after God's own heart, I would think it would do me well to read the writings of David and examine the life of David. How about you? If you want to be the men and women after God's own heart, it would do us all well to read the writings of David, to examine the life of David. And this morning I want to examine um, the battle that David faced with a giant in his life. You're talking about chaos. You're talking about things being thrown out of order. That's exactly what happened with David here in 1 Samuel, with all the children of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter number 16. Let me read for you verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shokah, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shokah and Azekah and Aphesdemim. Now, I want you to think about this, folks. Here we have the Philistine army. The first thing that I want you to notice in this is who the people of God are about to battle against. It's the Philistines. And if you go back and read in the Old Testament, you're going to find that the Philistines had been a thorn in the side of the Israelite people ever since they came out of Egypt. I mean, from the time they came out of Egypt under the blood by the power of God and God brought them to Canaan land, as soon as they entered Canaan land, who did they encounter? The Philistines. And over and over and over and over again, you will see them battle this same uh, enemy that comes against them time and time and time again. Now, let me ask you something. Does any of you have those things in your life, those uh, enemies in your life that are continually coming against you? I'm talking about, listen, those uh, times when uh, those struggles that you face time and time and time again, those temptations that you face time and time and time again, those failures that you face time and time and time again, over and over and over, they just keep coming back. I don't know about you, but there's certainly certain things in my life that I struggle with. Certain enemies that continually... Come against me to rob from me the joy of the Lord and the blessing of God. Amen. All of us face those things. And we're going to see today by the grace of God, by the word of God, we are able to overcome. Can you say amen? The Bible says it like this. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. If you believe you're a conqueror today in the name of Jesus, say amen. Yes, you can overcome whatever enemy you may face, no matter how many times it comes against you. We can conquer once and for all the Philistines that come against us. Not only do I want you to notice who uh, they were facing there, but I also want you to see why they're facing them. Look what it says there in the second part of verse number 1. And they gathered together their armies to, watch this now, to battle. The Philistines were not coming in times of peace. They were coming to make war. I want you to know, folks, the the fight in this great battle depended upon the, the people of God relying upon the power of God. And the same is true for us. We're going to see in just a moment that there was a giant that came out to face the Israelites. And folks, I want you to know, giants can and will face us. Giants of doubt. Anybody ever had a giant of doubt? 
Giants of fear. Giants of addiction. Listen, giants in relationships. Can you say amen? Problems that we face relationally in our lives that becomes giants too big for us to overcome in our own power. All of us have that. None of us are exempt from facing the battles and giants in this life. They came for to battle. But the Bible says, look with me there in the second verse. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in the ray against the Philistines. Watch this now, verse 3. And the Philistines stood on the battle on the one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and there was a valley in between them. So they came out there to fight, but when they got out there to fight, nobody fought. The Bible says they stopped on each side of the valley, and there was a stagnant, a time of stagnancy right there with the people of God. And I'm going to tell you something. God hates for His people to be stagnant. As a matter of fact, if you look into Scripture, you will see God would rather you be losing than remain stagnant. Amen? The Bible says it like this in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 and uh, verses, I think it's 14 and 15. You can go over there and check that out. Uh, But the Bible says that God would rather us either be hot or cold. Now hot means you would be fighting in the battle, overcoming in the battle. Cold means you would be retreating in the battle. Losing the battle. And the Bible says God would either have you hot or cold, but then He says most of you are lukewarm. And He said because you're lukewarm, it makes me want to puke. I mean, if you actually go back and see what that's talking, that's exactly what it's saying. God says, it makes me want to spew you out of my mouth. It makes me want to throw up just because you won't get hot and you won't get cold. You just remain lukewarm. You don't want to fight in the battle. You don't want to get out of the battle. You want to remain right where you are and do nothing. Listen to me. For far too long we've sat on the sidelines and allowed the enemy of God to steal from us what's ours. We've allowed the giants that we face in this life to steal from us the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. Listen, we've allowed the enemy to steal from the church what's rightfully ours through Christ. How many of you know we have the power in the church to change the world? But the world will never be changed. As long as we remain on the sidelines, lukewarm, making God himself sick. See, folks, I want you to know, if you're losing, at least you know where to start. (laughs) If you're having trouble, at least you know where you are. I've told you before, I practice the art of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Let me tell you what happens to me on a regular basis. I get whooped. I mean, a lot of people ask me, brothers, why you like it? I don't know why I like it, but I do. And so I go in there, and they just beat up on me. I mean, put me in holes that I can't get out of. Just rough me up. But let me tell you what I found out. Without them doing that, I can't get better. Without me finding where I am, I can't move forward, even though I may be losing. A lot of us are afraid to get in the battle. A lot of us are afraid to be and do what God has called us to do because we're afraid we're going to lose. Guess what? If you lose, at least you know where you're at. You have a point to start growing at. 
So we can't sit on the sidelines anymore. There's a battle to be fought. The enemy is going to continually come against you, amen? We better learn how to fight him. Better how to learn how to deal with the giants that we face, each and every one of us. We've seen who they were facing. We've seen why they are facing them. Let's go on down. Look at verse number three. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. Watch this now. Whose height was uh, six cubits and a span. That means he's nine foot six inches tall. Now, the tallest man uh, that, that, uh, that I know of that's, um, that probably all of us would know, you think about Shaquille O'Neal. What, what was he? Seven one, seven two, something like that. And this man is huge, gigantic. Well, you add another two feet to that, and that's what you have over two feet with Goliath. Almost standing ten feet tall. Verse 5 says, And he had a helmet of brass upon his head and was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. Now, I want you to think about that. This um, coat that he had on, his armor weighed 126 pounds. Now, I don't know, um, how much do you weigh, young man? 150, how much you weigh? 110 pounds. So you can take uh, Josie, right in between Josie and JT, and imagine that being draped over you. That's what this man walked around with. The Bible says then, it gives us the dimensions of his staff. And the Bible gives us that for a reason. How do you know all the Word of God is inspired, and everything we see here means something to us? He goes on to say in verse number uh, 6, And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Watch this now. And his spearhead weighed 600 shekels. That means the head that was on the end of his spear was 15 pounds. At my work, I've got a sledgehammer that I use that's a 12-pound sledge. And I'm telling you something. You take that 12-pound sledgehammer and you swing that about four or five times, you know you're hammering something. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But now, even though I'm making swing that 12-pound sledgehammer, there's no way I could take that with that weight and sling it like a spear with enough force to kill a man. But do we see the strength that Goliath has? This brother's big, he's strong, and he's mean. What's the next part of this? He says in verse number Eight, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and he said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Who's you a man of, uh, who are you a man of you? And let one of, choose you a man, and let him come down to me. Verse 9. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed. That means they were discouraged at heart and they were greatly afraid. Let me tell you why they were afraid of their enemy. They were afraid of their enemy because of his size and because, listen to me now, this man also had skill. <laughs> you know why we sometimes get so afraid of the giants we face in our life, whatever it is? I don't know what your giants are. I know what mine is. I know what struggles I have, but many of the time we get so afraid of what we face because we're looking at the size of the giant instead of remembering the size of our God. All of us do that from time to time. 
I was, uh, I don't know if any of you watched it last night, but Deontay Wilder defended his um, world uh, championship boxing title at Birmingham, Alabama. I watched that on TV last night, and uh, we were sitting there, me and my brother, watching it. And Deontay Wilder's about 6'3", I think he goes 237. The man he was fighting was 6'7", 263. And me and my brother was sitting there talking. I said, I cannot imagine being in the ring with those guys and them trying to hit me because not only do you got size, you've got skill. And when you put those two things together, that is a dangerous combination. It's dangerous for you. Our enemy has size many times. Our giants have size, hence the name. Our giants have skill. They know how to come against us. Let me share something with you. Even though they have size and skill that we can't match, listen, our God is able to do what we can't do. Are you getting me this morning? I want to encourage you and let you know God is able to overcome for you. But nothing happened and God didn't meet the needs of the people until someone chose to go out and face the giant. This is what I hear so many times. Well, I'm going to pray about it. Guess what? We need to pray about our giants. You better pray about your giants. There's power in prayer. And when we choose to pray as God's children, He chooses to listen. And the God who listens is able to do all things. But I want you to know something. God also expects us to do our part. To put feet behind those prayers. Walk in faith and do what He wants us to do. Amen. How many know sometimes praying just ain't enough? God will do His part. You've got to do yours. I don't know, our church sign, we've got it put out there. Uh, folks, you do the possible. You do what you can do. Let God do the impossible. You do your part. I promise you God will be faithful in doing His. Nobody went out to face the giant. And because nobody took uh, the initiative and walked in faith to go out and do what needed to be done, God didn't fix the situation. How many of you think the nation of Israel, as they sat on the sideline, was over praying? I bet they were. See, if you don't think they were over praying, you've never been in a battle yourself. Anybody sitting on the sidelines getting ready to go to battle, I promise you there's going to be some prayers going up. But those prayers were not answered. We'll find out in just a moment until David took the battlefield. God's ready to do his part. You've got to do yours. Look what else. He goes on to say, verse number 12, Now David was the son of that Ephratite of Bethlehem Judah whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And the man went out from among them for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest of Jesse's sons went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to battle were Eliab the firstborn, and next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest, watch this now, followed Saul. Verse 15. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now how many of you ever experienced in your life that, listen to me now, a great battle comes on the heels of great blessing. That's exactly what happened with David. If you go back and read in 1 Samuel 16, which comes before 1 Samuel 17, you're going to find that just one chapter before this, David was anointed to be king of Israel. God blessed him greatly. And how many of you know, at the time he was anointed, David figured out his destiny. 
the prophet of God and came and, came and said, David, uh, you're going to be the next king of the nation of Israel. God spoke it. How many of you know when God speaks something, you can trust that? David had a destiny that he knew he was working towards. But the Bible says right here in this verse we just read that David is still tending sheep. Let me tell you what I found in that. God has a destiny for me as a child of God. And God has a destiny for you as a child of God. If you're here today and you are lost, I want you to know God has a destiny for you, but you can't realize it till you trust in Jesus. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. He has a destiny He wants to bring us to. But before we can reach our destiny, we've got to do our duty now. Before David was ever anointed to be king, what was he doing? He's herding sheep, if you go back and read. He is a shepherd. A lot of difference in herding sheep and being, in the, king, being the king. A lot of difference in spending your time in the pasture and spending time in the palace. But David understood what we need to understand until God brings you to your destiny, ultimately where he wants you to be. You've got to do your duty now. What am I trying to tell you? Where God's placed you now, be faithful to that. And if you be faithful now, God will do greater things in the future. That's exactly what he does with David. Go on, let's look at, look at the rest of this. Watch this now. Verse 16 said, And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now thy brethren an ephath of parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp of thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. Look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. And Saul they and Saul and they and all the uh, men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went. And as Jesse had commanded him, and he took, he uh, came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array against army, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the enemy and came and saluted his brethren. Verse 23. And as he talked with them, behold, there came out a champion of the Philistine of uh, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake uh, according to the same words, and David heard them. Verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they were, uh, saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. Look at verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man? What's going to happen to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is, he, uh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now let me share something with you folks. David realized something we need to realize as men and women of God. The man of God realizes God's blessing comes to those who do things God's way. What was God's way? To defeat the Philistines. What did God want? To defeat the Philistines. What was God's people able to do by his power? Defeat the Philistines. All of that was possible. But it was not going to be done until a man stood up and done it. Until a man walked by faith and did what was necessary. David realized that if he did things God's way, he could receive God's blessing. And folks, we've got to know the same thing. If you want God's blessing in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, in your church, in everything you do, you can have it. But you cannot have it not walking 
and the way that God wants you to walk, living in the way God wants you to live. Not obeying what God says we should obey. David understood that. We need to as well. Verse 27, the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, watch this now, his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left the few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride, and I notice of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Now let me tell you what happened. Eliab got jealous of David because David wanted to do something about Goliath. Now, don't you know what David knows that we ought to know? The man of God does what God wants regardless of criticism. A lot of times people are going to criticize what you do for the kingdom of God because they ain't willing to do it themselves. They know they should be doing it. But because they won't do it, they will do everything they can to bring you down. And it makes them feel better about their own unfaithfulness. Let me tell you what will happen. A lot of times, that will come from those closest to you. It comes from David's brother. His own flesh and blood. But in spite of the criticism that he had, David still was faithful to what God wanted. And we must be the same way. I've come to find out, folks, listen, I am not called to please anyone except my Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've told you before, God didn't save me and God didn't call me to please men, but to please Him. That's you too. So no matter what someone might say about what you're doing for the kingdom of God, you just keep being faithful to what God says. Verse 29, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned away from, uh, from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I love verse 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go up against this Philistine to go fight with him for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth and David said unto Saul thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and he took a lamb out of the flock and I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth and he arose against me I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him thy servant both the lion slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine circumcised Philistine which shall be as one of them seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God David realized what we need to realize the man of God knows the same God who brought him through the last battle bring him through this battle. Can some of you say this morning, could you testify to the fact that God's brought you through battles that you knew you couldn't win? He has in my life. I can honestly say God has always been faithful. He's never failed me. And the same God who loved me and brought me through the last battle, helped me overcome the last giant, will help me overcome this giant. Now some of you facing giants today, I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what's going on with you, with your family, with your work, with whatever. With your temptation, with your struggle. But I'll let you know this. God is able 
I'm not going to spend any more time here this morning. We'll finish it up tonight. But all of us know the story. The giant fell on the battlefield because David was willing to do what he needed to do. He did it God's way and received God's blessing. We must be willing to apply to our lives what God says and walk by faith. Amen? Everybody stand this morning. I want to encourage you, let you know the size of your giant does not compare to the size of your God. The God who breathed the stars into existence, the God who split the Red Sea, the God who moves mountains, like we sang about before, is the God I call my Father. And whatever I might face, the Bible teaches He goes to battle before me. The Bible says he is my banner. <laughs> he leads me into battle when I face the enemy in this world. And he does you as well. I want to encourage you and let you know don't give up. Listen, you do your part. Let God do his part. Whatever that looks like in your life, God is able. If he did it for David, won't he do it for us? No matter how big your Goliath is this morning, God is able. If you're here today and you've never been saved, let me tell you something. Your greatest giant right now is the sin that enslaves you. But I've got good news. God forgives sin through His Son Jesus. And if you'll place your faith in Christ this morning as Savior, He'll forgive you and He'll save you. If you need Jesus... In any way, you come. You, just, you say, brother, I'm already a child of God, but I, I've got giants in my life. I'm facing things in my life that I can't fix, I can't overcome, I, I can't conquer them. Listen to me, God can, but you got to do it His way. Pray about it, yes. But then walk in faith. Put feet behind those prayers and do what you know you need to. If you need Him in any way, these altars are always open. You need to be saved. Just come say, brothers, I need to be saved. And I'll show in the word of God what that means. I can't save you. Walking an aisle don't save you. This church don't save you. But I'll tell you this. The same Jesus who saved me will save you. If you'll trust him this morning. Whatever you need, God's willing and able to meet that need today. Sing for us, my brother.